0: that came from this conversation of understanding how we, even as preachers of the gospel, have got to see the importance of healing ourselves. We've got to see the importance of maintaining our spiritual healing, how to deal with our wounds. We have been wounded. How do we deal with them? We have been hurt. How do we deal with it? We've been disappointed. How do we deal with it? And so we began in our last installment uh, when we were together, we began, first of all, by talking about the fact that we have to maintain healing of our own lives as preachers and as pastors by doing what we called some wound healing. How do we manage our wounds? How do we deal with our wounds? Because here's reality, if we don't deal with them, we are subject to bleed on those we are trying to lead Uh, and sometimes if you're not careful it will even come out in your preaching it'll come out in our ministering our hurt will come out our bleeding will come out and sometimes i shared in the last segment that many times if we're not careful we can't move to the next place we cannot move to that next place in god We can't move to that next point in our destiny because we are still holding on to the hurts, to the depression, to the disappointments of the past. So we've got to be able to do some proper wound maintenance. And so in our last time together, the the first thing we said, it's actually a three step process. We dealt with the first step. The first step said that in order for us to do some spiritual healing, the first thing we have to do is clean the wound. There's gotta be some wound cleansing. There's gotta be some areas of our life that we began to do some cleaning. And how do we do this cleaning? The way we do this cleaning is through the process of confession and forgiveness. The the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to not only forgive us of our sins, but the Bible says that he will cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So the first thing we said was that we've got to do some confessing. Uh, Even as preachers of the gospel, as ministers of the gospel, as leaders of the Lord's church, sometimes we have to do some confession. And confession involves being able to go before God and ask God for forgiveness of some things. Watch this. We've done, we've said, or we have thought that was not pleasing in his sight. If we would all be honest, all of us will agree that we have all done some things. We've said some things. We may have even thought some things that we should not have done. And sometimes did I not tell you in the last segment that some wounds we are quick to blame on others that we have actually done to ourselves. It's what we call self-inflicted wounding. Sometimes we inflict wounds on ourselves due to low self-esteem. We inflict wounds on ourselves by holding on to hurts of the past. We inflict wounds on ourselves by not letting go of it, by not forgiving the person that has wronged us. Did I not tell you? If not, I'll tell you for free tonight that when we don't forgive, the only person we are wounding is ourselves. Because the reality of it is the word forgive simply comes from a word that simply means I'm going to reinstate. I'm gonna act like what you did to me has never been done before. And that's for my own good. That's for my ability to cleanse my heart, to cleanse my mind, to cleanse my spirit, because there are some things I want from God and I need from God and I desire from God that I've gotta be in the right place and frame of mind to receive. So last, in our last segment, we basically encouraged you, cleanse your wounds, clean them up, when we hurt our bodies and we inflict wounds or have cuts or what have you, bruises, the first thing we should do is clean it. Get all of the dirt out of it. Get all of, of the, in, the dried up blood stains that have been there for a while. We got to clean all of that up. And then after we clean that up, we clean that up through confession. We clean that up through forgiveness. Remember we said that when we forgive, we're purging ourselves of bitterness I'm purging myself of strife. I'm purging myself of the resentfulness that I have held. I'm purging. I'm getting rid of the hurt. I'm getting rid of the anger. I'm getting rid of the guilt and the self-pity that has hovered over my life and it has affected who I am. So so we said that the first thing we gotta do is clean it up. So now that the wound is clean, we've gotten all the dirt out of it and we've gotten things sort of clean. We've used the alcohol, it stung a little bit, but we now know that all of the impurities are out. We've wiped it out, we've cleaned it out, what's next? Well, that's what I wanna talk about tonight. Once we clean our wounds, the next thing that needs to be done, even with wound management from a medical sense, once the wound is cleaned, it is then put in a place of protection. So the second thing we gotta do is we've got to protect our wounds. How do we go about protecting the wounds? Well, let's think about it. Let's think about it. If confession and forgiveness will cleanse the wound, then the thing in order for us to protect it is we've got to change our whole thought process as it relates to the wound. When you clean a wound and you get it fully clean, in order to protect it, you've got to put some sort of bandage, some sort of covering. Ah, catch that. Some sort of bandage, some sort of covering over the wound. Look at this in order to prohibit the possibility of reinfection. Now, the reality of it is, and I'm talking specifically to those of us in the preaching and pastoring and leading and serving God's people, but this applies to anyone in the body of Christ in understanding that in order for that particular wound to not be reinfected, we've got to cover it. When I think about that from a spiritual standpoint, in order for me to protect a wound, the Bible has now let me understand that once I have done some confession and I have done some forgiveness, the next thing I need to do is make some adjustments in my actions, in my attitude, and even in my thoughts. I wanna say that again. I wanna say that again. Once we clean the wound through confession and forgiveness, the next thing we do is we protect the wound. We protect the wound by making some adjustments. We gotta make some adjustments. We gotta put a bandage on it. In some cases, depending upon how deep the wound is, we might have to undergo some stitching or some stapling, which is then covered by a bandage. Some cases, the whole arm or the whole place of wounding is wrapped after it has been stitched and has been covered to ensure that it is not reinfected. Please understand tonight, beloveds, that if we are not careful, some things we are trying to heal from, we will reinfect it because we have not properly covered it. Yeah, we will reinfect it. Apostle Dickens, God bless you, sir. Minister Tracy Ross, good evening to you, my sister. We we will quickly reinfect that wound. Some things we think we are actually over, but we are not over. And because we are not over, when we get wounded all over again, it just remotely reminds us of some of the things we have gone through. That that applies even in relationships. That simply says that I've gotta be careful about what I allow myself to get into. I, I gotta I gotta make some adjustments. I got to make some adjustments. If you've ever been in a place where you have broken an arm or a leg and they put a cast on it, immediately one of the first things they tell you is for a brief season, you cannot get into open water. You cannot get into a shower unless you have that cast covered because water will get inside of the cast and cause infection on the inside of it. I want to tell us tonight, if I can encourage some preacher, if I can encourage some pastor, let me encourage somebody in the body of Christ. This is now your season. This is now your place. Once you have forgiven those who've wronged you, once you've gone to God and asked God to forgive you, then you've got to make some adjustments in your actions. That's going to mean that you can't go certain places right now. That's going to mean that for a season, you may have to sort of separate or distance yourself from some situations, from some people right now. Why? I'm in the process of healing. Sometimes you're going to have to distance yourself from some conversations. There are going to be some conversations that are going to come up. People are going to talk about certain things, and it's still a little tender for you to deal with because they're talking about some stuff that is still causing you to deal with the wound. Sometimes you're going to have to separate and do understand that sometimes separation is a good thing. Sometimes it's a good thing. You know what separation does? Separation, get ready for this. Separation will allow you to see you for who you really are. Sometimes separation will allow you to get away from some things. Listen, let me step out of this scenario. Let me step out of this picture. Let me step away from this crowd because apparently if I stay in it too long, I'm going to miss some stuff that I really need to say. See, sometimes we got to thank God for some of the situations that he not only allowed, uh, he not only kept us in. But we have to thank God for some situations that he snatched us out of before it got too crazy. You know, the, the reality of it is, as I teach the folks at St. James Church, we got to thank God not only for what he provides, but we better take a moment to also celebrate the things he prevents. Ah, because there's some things that he pulled me out of in just enough time to keep me from making a total disaster of my life. He pulled me out of it in just enough time for me to keep me from making a fool of myself. And again, it was a matter of protecting myself. So how do I do it? Well, the first thing I said is that we've got to be able to make some adjustments in our actions. See, because I'm in wound care because I'm trying to heal from a wound, there are some things that I'm not going to be able to do for a season. If I could use this as an example, as heart-wrenching and as gut-wrenching as it was uh, in yesterday's match between the Cowboys and the Giants, and tonight my heart goes out to Dak Prescott, uh, who suffered such a horrendous injury uh, on yesterday, during yesterday's game in order for that ankle that, it, that was broken after yesterday's hit, in order for that ankle to fully heal, where it has some level of functionability, Dak has got to realize I can't play the game for a minute. May not be able to walk for a minute. I'm going to have to live in a moment where my actions are adjusted so that I can at least have an opportunity or a possibility to get out on the field again. And I want to minister to somebody's heart tonight, uh, even in that sad situation with Dak, it looks like that Dak is out for the remainder of the football season. But I got a word for somebody. Let me say this to somebody. Just because you're out for the season doesn't mean you are out of the game. I don't know who that was for, but you are watching me. You're listening to this podcast, and I wanna just let you know tonight that just because you're out for this season does not mean you're totally out of it. Come on now, here is the word of God. Here's the word of God. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. Look at the next phrase, for in due season, when the time is right, when you have fully healed, when you have fully gotten back on the right track, After this season of adjustment, there will be the opportunity for you to get back on your feet and move forward from where you are. But do you not know that if you jump out there too quick or if you try to jump back into that thing too quick, you're going to make things more difficult on yourselves. So we got to make some adjustments in our actions during this healing process we got to make some adjustments. Young preachers, if I can encourage you from experience, do not preach hurt. As a matter of fact, don't preach out of hurt. Because if you preach out of hurt, the pulpit is no longer a battleground against Satan. When we preach out of hurt, the pulpit then becomes a battleground against people. And at that point, we have totally gone against scripture. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. And sad but true, we will be operating and preaching in our hurt and preaching from a painful place that the principalities and the rulers of darkness will have victory because we are fighting or we are using the pulpit as a battleground against people and not against spiritual enemies. It's not wise to preach out of hurt. If you've been through a painful situation, if you've gone through a hurting situation, you're gonna to have to make some adjustments in your actions. That may mean that you may not need to preach for a while. That may mean that you need to give someone else an opportunity uh, to share the word. But whatever that means is I need to make some adjustments. I gotta make some adjustments in my actions. But then secondly, I've gotta make some adjustments because I'm protecting my wounds. I've gotta make some adjustments in my attitudes. I firmly believe that sometimes we have to realize that we are actually brought down so that we can be lifted up. I am convinced by my own life, my own life is testimony and witness to the fact that sometimes you have to go through a painful situation so that God can promote you to another dimension. See, see, the reality of it is, and I speak from a pastoral experience, there are some things I have encountered as a pastor that actually prepare me for this moment because what it did was it adjusted my attitude. It adjusted my thought process. Sometimes it taught me when to speak. Sometimes it taught me that it's not even necessary to say anything. Sometimes you've gotta learn how to patiently go through the process. And let me say this specifically to young pastors who are desiring or have a heart to serve in the pastoral ministry. Those young preachers that are just starting out that are desiring to serve a church or to serve as, as a leader within a church, perhaps you desire to pastor a church. Let me tell you from experience, you can rush it and it will come back to haunt you. Sometimes the best thing you can do, and this is going to be a major attitude adjustment for some, you've got to learn how to operate patiently in God's timing and stop trying to push your own agenda. Because your own agenda is only going to kill your influence. And when you finally get to that place of influence, you will have no influence because you wasted it. Take your time. I'm talking to a young preacher that desires to pastor. Take your time. Adjust your attitude. Get under sound leadership. And when I say sound leadership, I'm not talking about hooking up with somebody who's going to give you everything that you want. I'm not talking about getting up under somebody who's just going to let you go for it without counsel and instruction. Get up under someone who's going to rebuke, reprove and exhort with patience and with teaching. And when they rebuke, reprove, and exhort with patience and with teaching, be willing enough to receive the correction in the spirit of which it is given. Be willing to receive the exhortation without arrogance. Oh, come on, somebody. Be willing to receive it. And when you receive it, receive it with the right spirit. I can assure you, I speak from experience it will come back and pay long-term dividends for you. So there's gotta be an adjustment. There's gotta be an adjustment of your actions. There's gotta be an adjustment of your attitude. We're in wound protection mode now. We've cleaned the wound. And so now that we've cleaned the wound, we've gotta protect ourselves. How do we protect it from recontamination? How do we protect it from infection? Or get this, how do we protect this wound from the possibility of further wounds? Well, here's the last piece. You have adjusted your actions. You're, you're realizing that you can't go everywhere and you can't do everything. You gotta operate slowly, safely, and surely. We've gotta make an adjustment in our actions. We gotta make an adjustment in our attitude. We gotta be able to receive truth and love. Be able to receive correction. Let me stop right there because I just heard the Lord and I need to say this to somebody who's watching me right now. Let me say this to you right now. You're ignoring wise counsel. You're ignoring correction. You're ignoring the, the, the God-given leadership that has been given to you, young preacher, and you just gonna do whatever you're going to do is going to make you what you have become a rogue and rebellious spirit. And I think I ought to tell somebody, somebody posted it on Facebook earlier today, the Bible does not lie. A rebellious spirit is as the sin of witchcraft, which simply means that you've got a spirit that is not like God that is on you trying to lead you to do something that you know is not right before you do it. Always be mindful of that. Always be aware of that be be focused on what you're doing. Don't don't jump out there too quickly and don't move too fast. That's why why do you think the Bible tells us that we lay hands on no man suddenly? See, we got to see how you going to act. We got to see how you going to do. I have to thank God for the late Bishop Eliza Campbell because I shall never forget when I began to attend his church in Charlotte. I'll never forget this. Little did I know I was being tested of my humility and my servanthood because his reality, if you can't serve, you're going to struggle in leadership. I should never forget it. I'll never forget this. Shortly after I arrived there, um, he had arranged for a carpet cleaner to come clean the carpets at the church. And before the carpet cleaner came, there were some very fine spots that were in the carpet right near the front of the church. And so immediately I saw it. And when I saw it, I asked him if he had a brush and some cleaner. I immediately got down on my knees. Now, I'm talking about one who is matriculated through seminary. I've I've, I've got doctor's degree behind my name. I have served as a pastor. Here I am now serving as an assistant pastor. At that point, I was a consecrated, of course, I still am, a consecrated bishop in the Lord's church, you know, but it was not beneath me to get down on my hands and knees with a brush and some carpet cleaner and scrub out some of these fine stains that were in the carpet before the carpet cleaner came in. When it was all said and done, I shall never forget this, Bishop Campbell said to me, and I remember these words vividly, Bishop Campbell said to me, you were tested and you passed. I didn't fully understand it at the time, but now that I've gotten a little older, And now that I have matured in my faith and in my walk with God, and now here I am in a role of pastoring and preparing the next generation of preachers, I now understand that sometimes we got to get beyond ourselves. We got to adjust our attitudes. You may preach well, but if you can't sweep a floor, you need to adjust your attitude. You may be a powerful preacher. You may have a great preaching gift but if you cannot humble yourself and submit to someone's leadership you've got an, an adjustment in the attitude that needs to take place so so when we understand that when we understand that we will begin to place ourselves in a position that we're starting to give protection to the wounds we've adjusted our actions we've adjusted our attitudes and then finally make sure you adjust your thought process. I can't help but close tonight without, I can't help but close without using the words of the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul told the Roman church in Romans chapter 12, he said, I beseech, I beg, I plead with you brothers by the mercies of God, by by the mercy, the grace, the unexpected favor of God, that you would present yourselves, present your bodies, present your lives. As a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Please catch the phrase. Reasonable service is always going to be holy. It's going to be set apart to glorify God, right? It's going to be acceptable, which means we are not trying to please people, but my service is to please and magnify God, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, as one translator put it, it's the least you can do. So how do we live lives that are holy and acceptable unto God? Here it is. It's found in verse two, and I'm done for tonight. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing, by the changing, of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How how do I protect the wounds by working on my mind? Here it is, here it is. What I've got to do is when I start working on my mind, I start changing my thought process and watch what I'm about to say because I'm about to speak directly to somebody who's listening or watching tonight. When I start working on my mind, then it changes my perception. It changes my thought process. Some things that I would normally look at with a negative sense, I'm now able to see it in a different light. Some things that I would look at in a feeling of self-pity, I'm now able to look at it and say, you know what, it's, it's a rough moment right now, but I'm gonna come over. I'm able to look at it and instead of looking at it in a feeling or a season of doubt and defeat that leads to depression, I'm able to tell myself that although weeping may endure for this night, I know I just changed scripture, joy will come in the morning. So I'm going to hold on to the fact that morning is coming. I'm going to hold on to the fact that a new day is coming. Come on, Jeremiah, remind us in the midst of your lamentations, please catch this. In the middle of his lamentations, in the Old Testament book of lamentations, chapter number three, somewhere about verse 21, in the middle of Jeremiah's lamenting over what was going on with Jerusalem and God's chosen people. He comes back and he has a moment of conversation with himself. He says, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Stop right there, JT. What are you saying to me? Here's what I'm telling you. Tonight, you ought to be grateful that even though you were wounded, you were not destroyed. Even though you have been wounded, it did not take you out. Young preacher, you have been hurt, but you're still here. Young preacher, you have been disappointed, but that's an opportunity for you to get up, dust yourself off, clean yourself up, get back on the right track and say, you know what? Let's do this thing again. Remember the old poem? If at first you don't succeed, try, try. And that's what I've come to share with young preachers in the body of Christ tonight. You've been wounded. Some of us are still dealing with our wounds. Some of us are still dealing with what I call pain management from the wound. Every once in a while, we get a little tickle or a little twinge or a little pain that reminds us of what we've been through. But never let the reminder cause you to go back there. You've cleaned the wound up. So now protect the wound. Wrap that wound up. Make sure that it is properly cared for. Make sure that it is properly taken care of. Make sure that it is in a place where it can heal. How's that done? We're going to adjust our actions. We're going to adjust our attitudes. And then we're going to adjust our thought processes. And when we do that, look at this, you will actually be in a place where you can minister to others just by your example. Here's why. The last thing Satan wants to happen in your life, somebody get ready for this revelation, is for you to come out over and through what you've been in. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell somebody real quick, hold on to this as I leave you tonight. The enemy is actually waiting for you to fall back into the pit that God has brought you out of. Make him out of a liar tonight. Make him out of a liar. And here's how you do it. Adjust your actions. That simply means I can't go places I want to go. I can't do things I want to do. Adjust your attitude. That simply means that I'm going to have to start or or rather stop allowing little insignificant petty things to work my last nerve. Sometimes I just got to learn how to smile when I really want to tell some folks a few things. If you don't think silence is a tool of victory. Take it from one who knows. Silence is a tool of the enemy. Why? It's a tool. It's a tool to defeat the enemy rather because the enemy will never know what you're thinking or what you're saying. And then finally, adjust your thought process. See, if you can keep your mind stayed on him, watch the promise. He will keep you in perfect peace.